Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Welcome to the Canada Goose second quarter fiscal 2022 earnings call. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. After the speaker's presentation, there will be a question and answer session. To ask a question during the session, you'll need to press star 1 on your telephone. Please be advised that today's conference is being recorded. If you require any further assistance, please press star 0. I would now like to hand the conference over to your first speaker today, Patrick Burp, Vice President of Investor Relations. Please go ahead. Thank you and good morning, everyone. With me are Danny Reese, President and CEO, and Jonathan Sinclair, EVP and CFO. After prepared remarks from Danny and Jonathan, we will take your questions. These will be limited to one each to allow as many as possible to ask questions within the allotted time. This call, including the Q&A portion, includes forward-looking statements. Each forward-looking statement, including without limitation discussion of our financial outlook, is subject to risks and uncertainties that could cause actual results to differ materially from those projected in such statements. Certain material factors and assumptions were considered and applied in making these forward-looking statements. Additional information regarding these forward-looking statements, factors, and assumptions is available in our earnings press release, as well as in our, the risk factors section of our most annual report. These documents are also available on the investor relations section of our website. The forward-looking statements made on this call speak only as of today, and we undertake no obligation to update or revise any of these statements. For commentary today, will include certain non-IFRS financial measures, which are reconciled in the table at the end of our earnings press release issued this morning and available on the Investor Relations section of our website. With that, I will turn the call over to Danny. Thank you, Patrick, and good morning, everyone. Thanks for joining us today. On today's call, I will provide an overview of our strong second quarter performance, our accelerating momentum, and the deliberate commercial strategy that drove those results. Across all channels, we see strong demand, positive leading indicators, and we feel very good about the business heading into peak season. And today, we are less than a week away from yet another very exciting milestone for Canada use, the launch of our first ever footwear collection. I look forward to taking you through the collection in greater detail shortly. To begin, I will share an overview of our business performance in the quarter. The second quarter has exceeded our, our expectations. Total revenue, excluding PPE sales from last year, grew by 40%, and our DTC business continues to deliver strong results, with revenue growing by 80% over the last year. This was fueled by a strong retail recovery in the quarter, as well as continued growth across our digital business globally. Wholesale also had a strong quarter, up 25%, showcasing the high demand for our brand from, from our partners. Looking at the business globally, we're trending up and performing well in every region, 
with mainland China DTC being a particular standout, growing 86% versus last year. Looking ahead, we are very optimistic as we head into our peak season. As such, we are pleased to be in a position to raise our financial outlook for the remainder of the year. Jonathan will share more details about our financials shortly. We are entering our strongest selling season with the launch of an exciting, altogether new category, footwear. Canada Youth Footwear is one of the most significant milestones in our more than six-decade history. As we've discussed, we are bringing a completely new perspective to the category, balancing performance and luxury, which is the ultimate expression of our lifestyle brand. For launch, we are bringing two innovative styles to market for both men and women. As part of a product development process, we combine our performance-driven intelligent design with rigorous extreme user testing. We do not bring anything to market until our global team of experts has validated it. Adventurers, athletes, researchers, and cinematographers logged thousands of kilometers and broke new ground traversing continents to get us to this moment, and we have tremendous confidence in our offering. Snowmantra Boot is the most comprehensive boot, providing extreme protection and warmth. Like its namesake, Parka, Snowmantra is the ultimate in performance designed for the harshest environments on Earth. The Journey Boot, expertly crafted in Italy, is a performance luxury hiker designed for the trails and the demands of the city. We know that consumers want their products to play multiple roles, so versatility is essential in this collection. Our boots work with the wearer, designed with modularity in mind, allowing them to be worn in diverse terrains across wide ranges of temperatures and weather conditions and for a multitude of activities. Footwear is a natural next step in our product portfolio, something we have been working on for years and a category we know our customers have been asking for. Last week, we hosted a limited pre-sale for our Basecamp community, offering first access and a chance to shop the collection early. The results signal strong demand with 10% of the collection selling through in only one week. The collection will launch globally with a campaign true to our brand through our Live in the Open storytelling platform. Over the years, we've shared stories of resilience and perseverance, and with this campaign, we'll continue to explore the real stories of real people. Starting next week, you'll see our heroes, Romeo Beckham, Serene Fox, and Jordan Tutu, share their stories in a way that exemplifies what it means to be a force of nature. I am very excited to be at this moment, and I look forward to sharing more with you next quarter. As a function-first performance luxury outdoor brand, we strive to create products that live up to our purpose to keep the planet cold and the people on it warm. We've always believed that making our products where they're supposed to be made and not chasing margins in low-cost environments was a sustainable decision. That decision became and continues to be a competitive advantage. And in today's environment, we have seen just how much of an advantage it truly is. Despite losing production for three months last year, we are not short supply. Weaknesses of unprepared supply chains have been exposed. Unlike others, the flexibility of our supply chain is an asset in the dynamic environment that we face today. Because of this, we do not expect any material revenue headwinds relating to supply or shipping constraints this fall or winter. Changing gears. Last week, we opened our first retail store in California at the South Coast Plaza in Costa Mesa. This new store is a testament to our expanded category offering and our lifestyle assortment, and we have seen strong demand indicators since opening. 
This store is home to our first ever snow room in the United States. The snow room is the next generation of our award-winning cold room. It simulates a snowstorm daily with temperatures reaching as low as minus 20 degrees Celsius. I'm really excited to bring our authentic brand experience to our fans, existing and new, in California, and to continue to drive experiential innovation across our stores globally. We have continued our strategic retail expansion in key markets around the world. And as you know, we are leading harder than ever before into our DTC business to drive our growth. In just seven years, DTC has grown exponentially to become nearly 70% of our projected total revenue this year. And through the pandemic, we have purposefully accelerated that trajectory. Retail traffic and store productivity continues to be much stronger than last year driving the lion's share of our DTC growth. At the same time, we see strong growth across our digital business versus last year as well. Both our retail and our digital businesses are stronger than we were at this time last year. And looking forward, this October, we saw a strong acceleration across our DTC network globally. We consider this a positive indication of the months ahead. Close, our results this quarter clearly show that we have a unique value proposition. We know performance, we knew it before it was a trend, and not many brands have that advantage. We continue to see accelerating demand across all channels in all regions. And it's clear that Canada Goose lifestyle is resonating with consumers all over the world, and I'm pleased to see our business in such a good position entering peak season. And with that, I'll turn it over to Jonathan to go over the details of our financial results and outlook. Thanks, Danny. Good morning, everyone, and thank you for joining us. The second quarter exceeded our expectations, and our performance has continued to accelerate. We're pleased to be in a position to raise our outlook. Reflecting on where we are today, there are three key themes that stand out. Firstly, across our business, we see strong leading indicators of demand. Secondly, the unique flexibility of our supply chain is an incredible advantage. Thirdly, we have the right foundations in place for an outstanding fiscal 2022. Starting with the top line, total revenue increased by 40% to $233 million, excluding temporary PPE sales in the comparative quarter. The demand strength we're seeing is much more balanced than it was at this time last year. E-commerce and mainland China continue to be major contributors, and the rest of the business is now moving in the same direction. Our wholesale partners are requesting products earlier than last year, and our retail stores are more active, and all of our geographies are growing. At a channel level, wholesale revenue increased by 25% to $148 million. This reflects a reversal of unusually late order shipments last year due to the pandemic. In a normal operating environment, fulfilling our commitments to our partners early drives a better shopping experience for the consumer, as well as higher sell-through. DTC revenue increased by 80% to 83 million. Growth from existing stores drove the majority of the increase with traffic and productivity well above last year. Retail closures were not a significant factor in the current or the comparative period. Our strong retail performance was complemented 
by 34% e-commerce growth. All geographic regions delivered total revenue growth greater than 30%, excluding the impact of temporary PPE sales. This is particularly encouraging given that the stages of retail traffic recovery are still quite varied across these markets. Mainland China was a standout performer with DTC revenue growing by 86% on top of the strong performance last year and a degree of physical disruption. This reflects our momentum and our runway in one of the world's most important markets. Moving on to gross margin, wholesale came in at 49.4%, while DTC was 73.7%. In wholesale, we were selling in core products a season ahead. This gave us a significant uplift from pricing and mix. We also benefited from lower distributor sales, which we had shipped earlier in the year, as discussed on our last call. DTC gross margin was lower than expected due to outperformance in earlier stage seasonal product. In our peak trading months, our sell-through mix is expected to shift back to higher margin styles. We expect this to drive a meaningful uplift from the pricing tailwind we've already seen in wholesale. As a result, our expectation for DTC gross margin remains in line with annual historical levels. As expected, total SGNA was 101 million, up 62% from last year. This was driven by incremental spend in demand creation and strategic initiatives, including a timing shift from Q1. We're now at an inflection point for margin and profit. For the remainder of the year, we expect SGNA growth will decelerate. The incremental revenue for these investments will drive further leverage, and the uplift from DTC mix shift will be more impactful. You can already see the beginnings of this in Q2. Despite outsized temporary SGNA growth, adjusted EBIT margin was just under last year at 6.9%, and adjusted EPS grew 20% to $0.12 cents a share. Moving beyond this quarter, we continue to see broad-based demand across our business. As a vertical manufacturer, we are not supply-constrained in today's environment. We have a strong position in staged finished goods. We have the flexibility of in-house production. In this way, we can quickly capitalize on upside in DTC. In wholesale, at a time when many brands are delaying and cancelling orders, we're delivering on our commitments. We're getting products to our partners earlier. This puts them in the best possible position for full winter. As we complete shipping the remainder of our order book, we are in a good position to consider high-quality reorder demand if it materializes. This has been captured in our upgraded outlook. The resilience of our supply chain extends beyond our own manufacturing. As Danny said, we go to the best manufacturers in the best places, not the cheapest. In a year with massive disruptions to global footwear production, we are proud to be bringing our first collection to market on time and at expected volumes. This is a testament to both our team and our partners. 
Finishing up with our upgraded outlook for fiscal 2022, as we enter into our peak trading months, we now expect the following ranges for our key metrics. Total revenue of between $1.125 and $1.175 billion. This assumes approximately 70% DTC mix with mid-single digits wholesale revenue growth. Adjusted EBIT of between $186 and $208 million, representing an adjusted EBIT margin of 165 to 17.7%. And lastly, adjusted earnings per share of between $1.17 and $1.33. In a macro environment, this outlook assumes no material increase in pandemic or economic disruptions relative to what we're experiencing today in our various markets. In terms of what's embedded for Q3, remember the shift to DTC means accelerating growth through both Q3 and Q4. Our wholesale order book has largely been shipped earlier this year. We expect SG&A to grow at a rate slightly less than total revenue, complemented by a gross profit uplift from DTC mix. Putting all of this together, it will drive significant profit growth year over year. At the onset of the pandemic, we talked about coming out the other side stronger. Strategically and financially, we're well on our way. We have rapidly advanced our DTC journey alongside more focused and elevated wholesale distribution. We have continuously raised the bar on price points and we have become a true lifestyle brand in the eyes of the consumer. Our unit base has resumed growth versus pre-pandemic levels and looking beyond this year, the recovery of international retail traffic represents huge additional upside. We appreciate your interest and support in this journey and we look forward to updating you on our progress at our next call. With that, I'll pass over to the operator to begin Q&A. Thank you. And as a reminder to ask a question, please press star then the number one on your telephone keypad. Again, that is star one on your telephone. And in the interest of time, please limit yourself to only one question and repose for additional questions. We'll pause for a moment to compile the Q&A roster. Your first question comes from the line of Ike Burchow from Wells Fargo. Your line is open. Hey, uh, good morning, everyone. Um, I guess Danny and Jonathan, I, I just, I, I'd love some higher level um, just perspective on, on, on the 1H2H dynamic this year. I, I know there's a lot of volatility over a multi-year um, you know, um, if, we, if we look back 24 months, you know, the first half, I think the revenues were down 20% on a, on a two-year basis. The implied uh, back half is up some, something much more meaningful than I think up 40 to 50%. Can you just kind of walk us through what, what's giving you that confidence? It, it just looks like a big hockey stick. So anything you can kind of tell us to get us more comfortable with, with where your confidence comes from that the business uh, will be able to accelerate so meaningfully in the back half. Uh, thanks so much. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Ike. Good morning. Um, so uh, this is a this is a major strategic change for us, and it's actually a really good thing. You know, the pandemic it has rapidly accelerated our DTC journey, and alongside that, uh, we have decided to resize our wholesale business. 
so we do not view wholesale being in line with two years ago as a winning as being winning strategically. We don't feel that feel that's a that's a reasonable comparison. So if you think about um, how that manifests itself, it naturally shifts our revenue base. Uh, uh, to the third and fourth quarters of the fiscal, which are the peak months for sell-through. Q2, as a characteristic, is driven by wholesale sell-in, and as Danny said, we pull that back. We strategically limit what we sell in that channel. So as you see in our upgraded uh, guidance for fiscal 22, we do expect revenue to be well above fiscal 20. It's much more, this, this, this comes with much higher quality distribution and an absence of international traffic, which represents, as I said in my prepared remarks, further upside beyond the current year. Thank you. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. And your next question comes from the line of Jonathan Comp from Baird. Your line is open. Yeah, hi, good morning. Thank you. Um, if I could follow up on the guidance and thinking across the channels, could you maybe just share more across D to C and wholesale if, if one is driving more of the upside than the other, how to think through that? And then you know, the trend you're seeing in D2C, how is it shaping your, your outlook and your thoughts on the store productivity recovery and, you know, what the sustainable e-commerce growth rates could be? Thanks, Jonathan. Um, so I think if we, let's start with, with the, the question about the upside. So obviously within the context of uh, the, the guidance, we've, we've upgraded our um, expectations on wholesale, but essentially that's about uh, product that's either already shipped or will largely ship within, in Q, within Q3. Therefore, the range itself is really driven by, by DTC performance. Now, when it comes to, to, to DTC, um, we are clearly seeing recovery um, in, the, in the store productivity. Um, we're not back to pre-pandemic levels, but we're well on our way, and that's really important. Certainly compared to last year, it's night and day. That said, we're also consolidating on the, on the uh, e-commerce advances that we made last year and, and seeing further advance. So we're very pleased with the shape and the way in which this is evolving. Great. Thank you. Thank you. And your next question comes from the line of Michael Benetti from Credit Suisse. Your line is open. Hey, guys. Thanks for taking our questions here. Two, um, two questions. First, Danny, I'd, I'd love to hear um, how the transition to Fur Free is going. I know that's a major transition for the product. Um, and then maybe a jump ball, but in, in wholesale, obviously, you guys covered it. Nice growth there. You mentioned the wholesale accounts requesting delivery early, but you also said the leading indicators look good. Um, how do you read the early deliveries? There's a potential shift into 2Q that might have that might come out of 3Q on the wholesale side versus just strong underlying demand. And you, men, you mentioned, you know, being able to replenish if if uh, if the need is there on the wholesale side. Or you know, did you bake any of that into the mid-single-digit growth guidance, Jonathan, or any indicators that you're that you're getting pulled on yet uh, for incremental inventory? 
Hey, Michael, thanks for your question. Uh, and um, with regards to fur, you know, I said before, we're very confident that we can make this transition and continue to be um, the high growth company that we are. You know, as expected, our non fur parka styles are performing well in the marketplace, and we're tracking to our plan. Uh, so this continues to build on the success that we've had for years with non-fur wholesale accounts, but that gives us a lot of confidence. And we're significantly increasing our outlook this year, and I think that that's a great proof point of that fact. Yeah, and I think when it comes to um, wholesale, obviously we've upgraded the guidance um, somewhat. Um, the the, the uh, demand is very, is very encouraging uh, that, we're, that we're seeing, but we, we have also baked into the wholesale um, uh, that we will inevitably have some uh, reorders and therefore that's accommodated in the numbers and, and the guidance that we're giving. Thank you. Your next question is from Oliver Chen from Cowan. Your line is open. Hi, thank you. The, the footwear launch is very exciting. If you could speak to wholesale versus direct-to-consumer launch plans and also as you evolve the assortment and also to help us inform our models. Uh, how do you think about the ramp up and the opportunity financially um, as well as strategically uh, in terms of the assortment? Thank you. Thanks, Oliver. Uh, yeah, footwear is one of, um, for me, is one of the most exciting things that we're doing this year. I've been, you know, dreaming about this for a long time, and we've been planning this footwear launch for at least three years. Uh, and, you know, it's very important for us to do it right and to, um, you know, put in marketplace uh, best-in-class product. Um, you know, by design, footwear will not be, from a financial point of view, a significant contributor this year. Um, you know, it's definitely an incredible move for our brand. And um, it's the sort of something that we expect to be a meaningful, um, meaningful uh, base of revenue over the long term. Um, but, uh, you know, being a performance lifestyle brand, I think we're in a unique position to help to create a new category here and uh, put into the marketplace something which is truly uh, performance. We know performance and luxury at the same time. I think consumers today are looking for things that they can wear and use in multiple ways and multiple purposes. And uh, I think this is exactly what we provided at uh, the highest possible quality levels. And, uh, you know, I'm super excited about it. And for, if we think about it from the perspective of the financial characteristics, um, you know, like all product that, uh, that we introduce in small volumes, uh, footwear has therefore lower gross margins at the outset. It's nothing new. We've been expanding into new categories for a long time, and it's something that we expected. We fully fund it by the tailwinds that we realize in our core and over time. And this is certainly something where we expect the, the profitability of the category to, to increase meaningfully as we scale. Um, and, and when we think about how we're rolling that out, um, it, um, it, at least initially, we are leaning heavily into uh, DTC, not surprisingly, but it's where we can curate the offer the, uh, the most strongly. We are in a, a very small number of influencer accounts at wholesale uh, as well, but ultimately that, that will uh, that distribution will mature, but always DTC-led because it's it's so important that we tell the story to the world, to the consumer. Your next question is, is from the line of Adrian Yee from Barclays. Your line is open. Great. Thank you so much. Um, and great to hear that October is um, off to a, a nice start here. 
Um, my question is, what are you seeing in the, the tourist location, the tourist stores by geography? Obviously, China's coming along very strongly, but um, early reads in both North America and European tourist locations. Thank you very much. Yeah, thanks for your question. I, you know, tour, I mean, tourism obviously is, is um, international tourism is down at this point. Uh, we know that, and uh, we're, you know, it, it, it's unclear exactly when we'll come back fully with that next year, or the year after. Uh, but we view that as uh, you know a significant upside to our business. Uh, it was, it was, uh, it was, um, you know, international tourism did contribute a lot of to our, a lot of revenue to our overall business in the past, and we expect that to come back at some point in the future. And Certainly, that's going to that's going to be a very positive thing for us. Great, thank um, you very much. Go ahead. I'm just going to add that we're seeing good growth around the world, and we've seen that in the in the numbers we've just um, just disclosed, and that's that's a, you know a continuing trend. Thank you. Your next question is from Omar Saad from Evercore Ice. SI, your line is open. Good morning. Thanks for taking my question. Um, would love it if you guys could dive into China a bit more. Um, I, it sounds like the, the business trends are very good. It's, it's been a controversial market in the luxury segment uh, with different kind of external factors uh, uh, impacting demand over there. And remind us where you are on your store journey, your e-commerce journey, uh, both owned e-commerce and uh, Tmall, um, and you know how you, we should think about that you know, business as a contributor to the overall, especially as we go through the winter and head towards the uh, Olympics? Yeah, China, China is a very important, very strong market for us. It's been growing and accelerating. Um, you know, I think that, um, you know, we've seen that uh, our products resonate very well there. Uh, you know, I think that from a positioning point of view, we're still a very small, relatively small footprint in China compared to many other brands. You know, we have 18 stores today and, uh, you know, we're, we're online in Dmall and, uh, and now JD as well and, and WeChat Ecom. And, and so, you know, but with our footprint, it's, it's still relatively nascent relative to other luxury brands in China. And so we see a tremendous amount of runway there. Uh, we see great uh, affinity for our products amongst consumers, uh, growing brand awareness with still a long way to go. So we're, um, you know, we feel that we're really well positioned in that marketplace. And, and if, we, if we look at it through the lens of existing stores, new stores online, we're seeing great growth across all of them. Um, all the new stores are, are performing uh, exactly as, as we want them to, and we're seeing good, healthy growth in the, in the existing store base as well. So we're, we're very pleased with the progress in that market. Gives us a lot of confidence. Thank you. The next question is from the line of JSOL from UBS. Your line is open. Great. Thank you so much. Uh, I'm just wondering if it would be possible to give us a little bit of a breakdown of what drove direct consumer growth in the quarter, you know, specifically how much growth was driven by new stores. Um, and then if you look at your existing stores that are in the comp base, can you give us an idea of how sales per square foot looks in those existing stores versus pre-pandemic levels. And then lastly, just also on footwear margins, Danny, if you can just give us a little bit of an idea uh, what you expect the footwear margins to look like. I'm talking about gross margins over time. Will they be similar to the outerwear margins? Will they be below, above? Um, and, and how long will it take to ramp to get there? Any, any color would be super helpful. Thank you. Okay. So, I mean, I, I think we've uh, in, the, in DTC, um, in the second quarter, we've, we've experienced, um, as, as I said in my remarks, 
um, a real rebound in the stores. It's been uh, night and day compared to last year, where we went through a period of closure and then reopening that was a, was a lot slower. We're seeing, therefore, very good growth in the in the um, in the stores that we were in the existing base. We've been opening stores gradually through the quarter, um, and therefore their their, um, their uh, contributions much much smaller. But nevertheless, it's it's also very encouraging in terms of the numbers they're doing versus our expectations. Um, when it comes to self-density, obviously we are not yet at pre-pandemic levels, and that's something I, I, I said before. Um, but we are also seeing a healthy recovery, um, and I think the, I've said all along, we see that as key to how our margins overall improve in the business, um, and we're very encouraged by the trend. As, as, as I think when it comes to footwear uh, gross margins, as I said, we've got some inefficiency um, when you start up in any category, footwear's no different, um, and then as you scale, you, you get the benefits of it over time. And, that, and that's, that's not very different than what we've experienced in other categories. Do I expect that to get close to um, our uh, core apparel margins? Yes, I do. Do I expect it to be above? No, I don't. Um, that's the sort of direction of travel. But, you know, that comes over time. And right now, we're just super excited with the launch and, and the initial consumer reaction to it. I agree. I'd like, I'd like to add to that just, you know, to, uh, in, uh, we, have a, we have experience at launching new categories. We have a playbook that we follow. And, uh, you know, I can point to um, our Lightweight Down, which started seven or eight years ago, and we um, launched that category. Margins were lower, and uh, then they then – the normal at the time, you know, today lightweight down represents over 20% of our business, and our margins are, are, are very healthy and in line with the rest of the business. Uh, the same thing holds true for knitwear, which we launched, you'll recall, approximately four years ago, um, and uh, it's now uh, over $45 million in revenue uh, in 40 years, and, uh, and and the margins are tracking well as well. So, you know, we. We, we have a proven playbook on this, and, and I'm launching new categories and to getting into them in the right way, in the responsible way, and in an authentic way that is right for our brand. And uh, I, you know, we are applying the exact same playbook to our footwear launch, and it gives me a lot of confidence that we're, we, we are experts doing this at this point. Thank you. And your next question is from Sam Poser from William Streeting. Your line is open. Uh, good morning. Thank you for taking my questions. I just I have two. One, um, can you give us uh, some idea of the magnitude of the price increases you took uh, in uh, for the for the fall season or for, for this year? And secondly, um, would I be the you? I assume based on the way the wholesale business is flowing, that you're expecting Q3 to be down more than Q4, given the early shipments and if and the and your at once business will probably happen in the fourth quarter. That wouldn't be down as much. Am I thinking about that right? So I'm going to take those in reverse order, just to say yes, we're pretty aligned with with your thinking on 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 the wholesale business. I think you know the answer on on um, uh, pricing goes to our gross margin algorithm, and that's something that you hear me describe. Um, frequently, that's the, no different this year than it is in any other year. That you have headwinds and tailwinds. Typically, we create headwinds, tailwinds with um, with pricing and with scale and, and efficiency, um, and then we deal with the headwinds of 
um, investing in new product development, as well as uh, input uh, cost inflation. Um, typically, we've taken uh, pricing um, in mid-single digits. Um, this year is no different than that. Um, and then, inevitably, there are you, know, you, you tune it as you go. But fundamentally, this is another another um, year of the same experiences. We have your next question from the line of Robbie Oms from Bank of America. Your line is open. Oh, good morning, guys. Um, just two quick follow-ups. I just, um, you know, maybe maybe for for well, either for Danny or Jonathan, just um, your inventory position is, you know, I think is close to as high as it's ever been, and and it sounds like demand is strengthening. I'm just trying to understand um, why wholesale would be down, you know, given the demand. It would seem like you would have a significant opportunity for much, you know, stronger wholesale. And then just sort of a second question, a follow-up on APAC. Maybe, Jonathan, can you, can you remind us the Hong Kong you know, store impacts and sort of how that's playing out in your thinking on APAC sales for the back half of this year? Thanks. Yeah. I mean, so let's, let's take those in the order you are, so inventory first. I mean, inventory, to be honest, it's, it's at a higher level at September um, as, as in, at the end of Q2 than it is at, um, at the end of Q3 or Q4 because it's cyclical. Um, and so typically you're building inventory and you're shipping the inventory and selling it through, and therefore inevitably you're at a high point. This is no different. Um, we're very pleased with the amount of that stage inventory we've got and the distribution of that inventory to support the business and make sure that we deliver um, all, of the, all of the revenue ranges that we were talking about. From a wholesale point of view, Remember that this is a, um, a regulated channel by us. We don't and never have supplied the channel with everything it asked for. We prefer this to be a channel where it is brand accretive because either um, it puts us in, in, in locations with a physical presence where uh, we would otherwise not be, or because um, it, it puts us with opinion leaders, um, or both. And so we, that's, that's why we're in wholesale, and we regulate the amount of product there because we want to make sure it sells out rather than that there, are, there is a heavy level of inventory in the channel. Where we get reorders, we think about them um, sensitively and, and intelligently, and if it makes sense, we fulfill them, and if, and if not, we don't, because we will always privilege our own channels over wholesale. When it, when it comes to APAC, and particularly your question on Hong Kong, and Hong Kong is a very quiet market at the moment. Um, the business um, last year was a fraction of what it had been prior. It's starting to grow back. Um, but it's, it's coming from a very low base, and, it's, it, and they're very small numbers at this point. Yeah, I'd like to just add on a little bit about that, and um, not that part, but come back to the inventory part. Um, you know, we... Uh, you know, our model of manufacturing in Canada and being vertically uh, integrated has been, you know, at this time, very much we feel validated in, in the sense that we have uh, we have uh, the right amount of inventory. It's available. We are not going to experience any inventory shortages. Um, the, you know, the, both raw material inventory to manufacture more goods um, uh, for this year and for next year, and also the finished goods inventory that we have uh, on hand. Um, is is going to leave, leave us in a position where we are we are 
we're well well positioned and able to deliver on all of our commitments. And I think that's uh, really, um, you know, we're really, really happy to be in that position. And, uh, you know, it's been part of our strategy for a long time. And here we see it playing, playing out the way it's supposed to. Your next question is from the line of Megan Annette. Your line is open. Thank you. Good morning. Um, can you just maybe talk a bit more about the initial response to some of the more recent product introductions, new colors, collaborations, and so on? Um, and how are those resonating with customers in North America uh, in particular? And if you could just talk a bit about the performance in Canada, um, including trends you're seeing there, maybe relative to pre-pandemic levels in Q3 to date. Thank you. Um, yeah, our new our new sales. Uh, we've been uh, very very pleased with the way the market has responded to them. Um, our, I mean, you know, I can speak about many different uh, categories. But I can start with knitwear, and as I spoke earlier about how fast that's grown and how um, we're selling selling through that uh, really really well. Uh, and you know, we have core styles and new styles coming out every season. Uh, our collaborations are doing really well. Uh, most recently, Angel Chen collaboration uh, dropped and has uh, has performed uh, very well. Um, our Pastels collection, uh, which is um, which was uh, was a collection that uh, I think hit the market a few weeks ago, has has also performed extremely well, selling out and selling through in, in many many cases. Uh, our Crofton and Cypress collections, which is an expansion on our lightweight down collection, um, do more sustainable fabric, also have been um, uh, big hits. And uh, I'll talk about footwear as well. I mean, just to look at the pre-sale that we did to our base camp community to sell through 10% in one week, uh, gives me a tremendous amount of confidence in the demand for that product category too. Yeah, I think when it comes to um, the sales performance that we're seeing, um, we're, um, when it comes to North America, we're very encouraged. Um, we've seen really strong performance in, um, in in the U.S. and actually also now in Canada, it's coming it's coming back nicely. And remember that this is pretty much in both of these markets. This is domestic demand expressed as either Canada within Canada or U.S. within U.S. as being the dominant um, uh, demand. And that is a huge testament to brand health. We are really comfortably above last year, and we're very encouraged by that. Your next question is from the line of Camille Lyons from DTIG. Your line is open. Thank you. Good morning. I um, just wanted to uh, ask a question on the U.S. store opening opportunity for you. Um, I'm curious about that that California store opening. I know it's in its early days, but um, where do you see the main infill opportunities from a store opening perspective in the U.S.? And as you go further west, um, do, do those stores come online at a different margin rate than your East Coast or more colder, you know, snowier markets where there's a greater sell-through of heavier parkas and higher margin parkas? Yeah, thank you for your question. Well, I can't, what I can tell you about our, our, our North American stores is that we do have a very healthy pipeline of um, potential uh, store openings and locations in North America. Uh, obviously, we'll, we'll disclose those as we firm them up, but um, I'm, I'm 
very encouraged when I look at uh, the opportunities that we have before us and uh, the kinds of traffic and the kinds of sales volume opportunities that we have and also the opportunity to increase brand awareness in places like uh, the West Coast and, you know, um, op opening the South Coast Plaza was a, a, a important milestone for us and I know we have existing fans out there, we're going to make new ones too and, uh, you know, we have new products uh, and different products for different climates as well. So, you know, we, we, we know that we don't need to be in a um, cold weather market to sell cold weather clothing, but we also... Um, we also have, uh, you know, we also have, we also have the right clothing um, for multiple kinds of markets. And the response to South Coast Plaza uh, so far has been really strong, and uh, we're seeing at the signal of very strong demand in that marketplace. And I think when it comes to, um, you know, thinking about West Coast stores versus East Coast, I mean, the West Coast is is with the best on the world. It's not a unique climate. We have. Um, other stores around the world in climates like that, and we enjoy good levels of sales density in normal times and therefore good margins. And we don't see any reason why um, you know, we don't see any reason why uh, we shouldn't we shouldn't see that uh, in in the U.S. Indeed, if you think about it, in Canada, you know, we've got a store in Vancouver. We're super happy with how that performs too, and that's clearly in a similar line. Not the same. But Thank you. And your next question is from the line of Brooke Roach. Your line is open. Good morning, and thank you so much for taking our question. Um, in your prepared remarks, you talked to an inflection point for both margin and profit in the second half. I was wondering if you could share a few thoughts on your current view of the path to recovery to a 20% plus profit margin relative to this year's 165 to 17.7% outlook, and maybe in the in in, in relation to that, can you provide a little bit more color on what you're seeing in terms of unit and raw material costs, which have been a, a, a topic, a talking point for across across the rest of the sector this, this quarter? Thank you. Sure. Um, I think that, you know, we've got form above the 20% margin level. Um, and we, and I, I mentioned when we talked last quarter that um, that, was, that was a part uh, that we were very confident about um, getting back there. Not to 20%, to 20%, but beyond 20%. And I think that's very important. This is a business with um, a really powerful retail model complemented with a strong online model. And, um, and that's already going to be 70% of the business. When that's firing um, on all cylinders, this is, this is a business that's going to be um, very profitable. And we, we see ourselves moving comfortably into the 20% over time. Um, and so this is, a, this is a, a positive step in that direction. I think when we think about um, gross margin and, and the unit and, and, and raw material cost inflation, to be honest, as I said before, in the, the overall gross margin, we're not seeing anything egregious. And we, we are very focused on... Uh, managing our channel gross margins uh, to the uh, historical levels, mid-70s for DTC and uh, mid to high-40s for, for wholesale. That's what that's for where we expect to be. That's where we are, and that's and that's the way in which we manage it. We're not seeing anything egregious if we were to call it out. Thank you. We have your next question from the line of Mark Petrie from CIBC. Your line is open. 
Yeah, good morning. Um, just wanted to ask about the uh, product mix. Can you give us some more detail about the non-parka mix in Q2? I know it falls from Q1 just seasonally, but uh, any commentary just with regards to the direction of that would be appreciated. And do you think that this could become a bigger part of your wholesale business uh, in the foreseeable future, or do you think that that channel will remain, you know, very heavily skewed toward parkas? Thanks. So I think um, if we th if we think about um, the mix, um, clearly as you as you move through the quarter, it, you start to move into the colder weather, and therefore uh, Parker starts to pick up. But you know, our summer season doesn't stop, our spring season more accurately does not stop at the end of uh, June. It's something that continues through July and August, and you had a, a sense from us of how that mix. Um, stacked up in, in when we talked about our, our performance in Q1, and that continued for a good part of Q2. Then we see uh, the partners kicking in. Um, and, and, but that said, you know, you've still got to remember that we continue to sell the full mix, mix of, our, um, of, our, of our categories all year long. In fact, the busiest month of the year for our lightweight down offering is actually December. So it's, it's easy to assume that some of these things only sell in some months, and that's not the case. And for the same reason, therefore, as we think about wholesale, that is, that is a, an area where we also see, um, see uh, penetration of our non-Parker um, uh, products as well. We don't see that as only a Parker channel. Yep, I'll just add to that. I'll just add to that. To remember is that we, we have more products than we've ever had before. We have more products that are selling really well than ever before. And, um, you know, that uh, makes the mix itself become a, more of a dynamic thing. And um, you know, I, I see that as a very good thing and a very healthy thing for the business. And, um, and uh, I think it's important to factor that in when you think about it, too. Thank you. And there are no further questions. I would now like to turn the call back to Dan Ruiz, President and Chief Executive Officer, for final remarks. Please go ahead. Thank you all for joining us today. Before, before uh, we go, I would like to take a moment to update you on the progress we continue to make against our sustainable impact strategy as part of our human nature platform. We are driven by our purpose to keep the earth cold and the people on it warm. And today, I'm pleased to let you know that we have crossed another important milestone on our roadmap months ahead of schedule. As of today, we have achieved certification under the Responsible Down Standard. This was a monumental endeavor carried out over years and throughout the pandemic. With this step, we join other Responsible Down certified global manufacturers who have made the responsible choice to embrace sustainability and animal welfare. Thank you so much to the team at Canada Youth who have worked tirelessly to make this happen. And thank you all for joining us today. I look forward to talking to you again next time. And this concludes today's conference. Thank you all for participating. You may now disconnect. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.